0: It is july 4th july 4th is coming up this tuesday and it's the celebration of our nation and i know there's a lot of accusation that uh as christians becoming national nationalists or i may have heard that before like oh those christian nationalists loving your nation is not being a nationalist quote unquote we should all love our nation and we should want every country to love their nation and bring their nation back to godly principles so when they talk about separation of church and state it's not about keeping it's not about keeping the church out of the state it 's about keeping the state out of the church and that it, and that 's Separation of church and state is not even in the Constitution, by the way. So it was just in a letter. But there's a lot of things I know as your pastor, I've been learning and studying and trying to be prepared because I understand we are in a battle in our nation right now. And we need to pray for not only God to move in our churches, our families, our school systems, the educational realm. Uh, We need God to move in our government. All right. So we wanna encourage you, if you're not registered to vote, get registered, all right? And let me tell you this, people say, well, I'm just choosing between the lesser of two evils. It will always be the lesser of two evils unless Jesus is running for office. So we need to do our part for voter integrity, you know, abolishing election fraud, understanding what's happening out there we're being brainwashed and we have to have clear voices your pastor prays that i'll be connected to the right voices and the right people and if you want to pray for me pray that that's what happens we don't take the road of least resistance actually if there's a lot of resistance it's telling me that's where that's where god is if someone is being attacked online i'm like that's probably the person i'm going to follow right now because they're the most hated That's what you should do as well. So today we have a very special guest. Jamie Rittenour has been called of God to run for governor of Indiana and win. We believe that. She's a believer in Jesus Christ, a proud wife and mother of five and an advocate for the unborn. She is dedicated to bringing Indiana together to rebuild our morals and values, revive our communities, and rejoice in one another's successes. Let's stand as we welcome Indiana's next governor, Jamie Rittenauer. Come on, Jamie.
1: Thank Thank you. Thank you, guys. Good morning. Well, I was just telling my friend Shannon, we haven't even gotten to the teaching yet, and I am fully ministered to My cup overflows, I mean, wow, thank you. I feel welcome. We have this great joy as believers in Jesus, that wherever we go, we have unity in the spirit. It is something the world does not understand. And the Bible says that they will know you by your love for one another. And so I say to you this morning, well done. I sense the love of Christ amongst you. And my heart is ministered to by all of you this morning. So thank you. Thank you for that. I was praying about what we were going to talk about today. Um, I take it very seriously when I speak on a Sunday morning. So I'm out all the time and I'm at a fair or I'm speaking with an organization or speaking at some kind of a Lincoln dinner. But when you speak on a Sunday morning, the people of God have come together to hear a word from the Lord. Okay? Okay. So I take it very seriously, and this morning at 4 o'clock in the morning, the Lord woke me up, and I was like, let's go. (laughs) I am ready. (laughs) So I am so excited to share with you this morning. Um, I also am excited because as we went through worship, the message was confirmed. Oh, I'm telling you, I can hang out there all day long. We are going to talk today about the first battle that was recorded in scripture. And our worship all morning long has been about the battle. Do you see, church, how he does that? How the Holy Spirit ministers that way, where he's connecting everything. So that we know, it says in his word, he is the Holy Spirit that guides us in all truth. Right? And so this morning, we are going to be guided in his truth. We're going to study a warrior. And I'm excited because I'm in a church of warriors. Father God, we come before you this morning, and I lay myself aside and ask that your Holy Spirit would just minister, Lord, that you would move through the power of your word and that the saints would be equipped. Lord, bless them today, I pray. Speak to us, Lord. We are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 14. We're going to talk about the first battle, noting that there was obviously a battle that took place in the heavenlies between God, right, the angels, when they fought in heaven because Lucifer wanted to take over and he was cast out. So we know there was a heavenly battle that took place. But this is the first earthly battle, and this battle takes place in Genesis chapter 14. We're going to talk about Abraham. This battle was between nine kings, but before we go to that, let's just get a little bit of the history of what's taking place in the Bible at this time. We've already gone through the flood. Okay, God had already eliminated the wicked from the world and left only eight people. After the flood, God said he would never eliminate humanity again that way, right? We know that. We know that after that time, they all came together and started building the Tower of Babel. Isn't that so interesting, how everyone came together and what was their, what was their thought? I wanna build a tower up to heaven. How when man in man's flesh comes together, Man wants to be like God. We still see that today. It's the same. And so what does it say in scripture? It says that God came down and said, let us, let us come down. And then he changed up the speech so they could not understand one another. Amazing. What men were able to do. Before, we all spoke different languages. And then we know as we're moving right now, today, what do we see happening globally? Man trying to come together again in man's flesh. But we have a God that never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The victory that we have in Jesus is yes and amen. And so here we see that we've come outside of that time of the Tower of Babel, and we've, we see the grace of God, the plan of God, which Isaiah says about God's plans, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The Lord spoke to me a long time ago about him saying that his ways are higher. Because do you know what I thought in my heart? I thought they were different. That is not what scripture says. Do you see, church, that there can be something inside of us that says, I have this way, and God has that way. So I won't do my way, I'll just do God's way. But that's not what scripture says. Scripture tells us his ways are higher. Higher. So it's not different. It's higher. And he had to minister to my heart and let me know that there was a submission that needed to take place in my heart. Where when I prayed and God told me to do something, even if it wasn't what I was wanting, I was willing to do it because I realized that there is an eternal perspective that we have to walk in an eternal perspective that says it's not just about right now in your life, that you are part of a timeline, and that timeline is through the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is Jesus Christ, and he operates outside of time. And so when we come to the Lord, we come knowing that his ways are higher, And it brings us comfort to know that. That whatever trial you're going through right now, that God sees that trial. And just like with Joseph, Joseph told his brothers what he said, what Satan was weaving for evil, God was reweaving for good. How many know that that is what our God does? He reweaves for good so that everything that we experience in our lives, he can turn around for his glory. That is the God that we serve. And so here we have Abraham. We see God's grace. He chooses Abraham. He calls him. How many of you have heard that call from the Lord? Where all of a sudden, he just says your name. He just tells you to do something. You get that prompting from the Holy Spirit. Turn left. Go talk to that person. We live in a day and age today where the church has got to start moving. Just move. I tell people all the time, what should I do? Just move. When he tells you to go, go right? If we're all obedient, then the nation is going to change. Amen. Okay. Yeah, that's true because he's the almighty God. And so when the Holy Spirit says to me, go talk to so-and-so, I don't question him. I just go talk to so-and-so. What's the worst that can happen? The Bible says that he uses the foolish things to shame the wise. So I stand here and say, I'll be a fool for Christ. He owns my life. He's healed me, delivered me, restored my life, redeemed me. My life is his. And so here he calls Abraham. And then Abraham, he migrates from Ur which they actually think was possibly the site of the Garden of Eden, to an area that's near Jerusalem, which is the future site of Jesus' crucifixion. So Abraham went from the site where sin entered the world to the site of where sin was conquered. His ways are higher. Right? If you don't read the word of God, I got to tell you right now, you are missing out. You are missing out. It's so good. It's the bread of life. You can, you can take it and it restores your soul. David says, guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. So here Abraham, has, and he's, he's moved, he's been called, he says yes, he leaves with Sarah, his wife, his lot nephew, and he gives Lot the choice of what land he's going to choose. And we know that Lot lifted his eyes, saw all the plain of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, and Lot chooses Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, if you're Abraham, maybe you're looking at that side going, wow, you got the good side. But Abraham was a man of faith. So he gave Lot that part of the land, and he went and he settled where God told him to settle. And the Bible says that he immediately, he built an altar and he worshiped. Today I'm going to talk to you about a warrior who is a worshiper. And I'm going to say to you that if you want to be in the battle of 2023 in the United States of America, then you better be ready to worship the Lord. That's it. We put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We lift our voices to the Lord. We cry out to him, for we know that our God is faithful. I would have lost heart had I not believed. I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So if you're going to be a warrior, you need to know how to worship. And that worship has to be what guides your life. It's the safest place to be when you think about it. Where do you end up when you're in control? Where do you end up when God is in control? Do you see how different that is? We all can testify to that. And so if the church in the United States of America says, you know what we're going to do? We are going to be like Bob is. Bob, when he goes out, he has a mindset. I mean, his mindset right now for the mission trip that he's going to do, he's completely engaged in what he knows God is going to do. Do you see that? He's standing here and he's telling you. This is what we are believing God to do. And I say to you, Christian, that many people, whenever they go out on missions trips, they turn on that mindset. I'm going on a missions trip. Now, Bob doesn't do that. He lives it, which is why his life has fruit. But I'm telling you right now that most Christians in the United States of America turn on the missions mindset. Right? We get on the plane and we say... I hope this person comes to know the Lord. And then when we're going to California on vacation, we're like, please let the row be empty so I can sleep. It's a mentality, right? So I always say to people, yes, you know, people ask me, what are you gonna do about the church? The church is asleep. I'm like, look, the Holy Spirit, he will wake the church up. That's not my job, that's him, it's his church. But this I can tell you, when the bride runs, when the bride runs, it's the most encouraging thing that we have in the United States of America when a person says to us that the church is dead. I say to them, then you just wait till she comes alive. That will happen because now is the time. And so we see that Abraham is here in his life and he's worshiped the Lord and Lot has settled And and now there is a battle between nine kings. This is the first one recorded in scripture. The northern forces were attacking south through the valley. It's called uh, King's Highway. They initially pushed the southern armies of the Jordan into the tar pit, So they basically were attacking them, and they went into this, this tar pit area, and many of them died there. The north plundered the cities and captured its citizens, including Lot and his family. Abraham's told by a servant who escapes, What's taken place? They've taken your nephew. And so we pick it up in Genesis chapter 14, verse 13. It says, then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, the Amorite brother of Eshcol and brother of Amr. And they were allies with Abram. Now when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, does the scripture say that he walked away? Does the scripture say that he pointed a finger? Does the scripture say that he said, Lot, you chose the wrong spot? No, that's not what it says. The Bible says now when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants. Okay, just a little bit of perspective. We have nine kings involved. Nine. Four against five. Abraham hears that they took Lot. He doesn't say, Have you checked the numbers lately? Can you go out and look at how many there are? No. 318. I so believe scripture gives us the exact number for a reason. 318. And the people he's going against, four kings, known to be going and taking over the land. And so here we see he divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them. Verse 16, so he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods as well as the women and the people. I love how scripture just says it super simple. There's a big fight, four kings. They were taking over a lot of land. Other kings were running away from them. They took Lot. Oh, stop. Abraham's involved. Abraham gets 318 people. He goes over and he wins the battle. And then he goes home with Lot. How many times does the world tell you the battle is too large? How many times have you heard, no, you're never gonna see abortion go away in the state of Indiana? I had a Christian tell me that, by the way. I said, you're talking politics, I'm talking revival. They're two different conversations. But the bottom line for a Christian is when someone says to us, the battle is too large, we say, well, you don't know who the battle belongs to. The Bible says the battle belongs to the Lord and no one is larger than the Lord. The Bible tells us that his feet are on the earth as his footstool. I mean, you just look in the middle of the night at the sky and the stars and you're saying to yourself, he made that with a word. And so as believers, do we look at a battle and say, wow, that's too big? No, we look at the battle and say, it's time to win. That's what we say. And so here we have Abraham, and he's come back after winning that battle. And who greets him? And the king of Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah, the king of Sodom went out, verse 17, to meet him at the valley of Sheba after his return from the defeat. We see here that there's going to be two kings that Abraham encounters. The king of Sodom and the king of Salem. It says in verse 18, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. Don't miss it, Christian. It's the first battle we have recorded in scripture on earth. The Lord would say to us today, I am with you in the battle. And so here we have verse 19, says, and he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Can you imagine? I mean, just for a second, for a second, can you imagine being him and hearing this? Can you imagine? He's a man. He's you and I, I mean, it's just the same. And he's encountering what we will see, which scripture tells us is a Christophany. It's Christ in the Old Testament. Can you imagine? So here he is, and it says, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Abraham, just in case you didn't know, I was in that battle. He shows up and he tells them God won that battle for you earlier in worship in the very beginning the Holy Spirit's been ministering all morning long don't miss the message from the very beginning when the brother stood right here and talked about worship and how you bring your heart to worship he said bring out your testimony what God has done in your life. If you don't have one, you need to be saved. Okay? Our testimonies are all different. My husband's testimony is radically different than mine. But this I will tell you, we know when we were lost, and then we got saved. Okay? That is called a testimony. So when you're having trouble in worship, here's where you start. I was lost, and then I got saved. Now I'm worshiping. Do you see how that works? And so he called our attention to that this morning. And then he began to minister to us about the battles. And so here we have Abraham. He's encountered Melchizedek. Melchizedek has reminded him that God won the battle. Hebrews chapter 7, 1 through 3 really gives us the perspective of who Melchizedek is. I'm going to turn to it really quick because it's important to hear. Chapter 7, verse 1, for this Melchizedek king of Salem priest of the Most High God who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. Don't miss it. First tithe in scripture. Note that he says of all. All that you are. I mean, when we really think about it, does God need our money? We give to him because we honor him. That's what Abraham showed us. And so then we see that he gave a tenth of all, which means that we don't just come to the offering to bring our money. We come to the offering to give of ourselves. That's the practice. When we leave the building, we don't leave it in here. We take it with us because our mindset is we are given over to the Lord. We don't belong to ourselves anymore. People ask me all the time, are you afraid? I'm like, what are you talking about? Afraid of what? What am I supposed to be afraid of? The Lord knows my days. And so I had a choice. I can tell my kids to walk by faith and then I can stand there when God calls me and ignore him Or, I could tell my kids to walk by faith, and when God says, you are called, and I say yes, I teach them what it means to walk by faith. To give your life over. It cannot be church in a building. It must be church all the time. Because our nation has come to a place where evil is taking over. And I tell you, church, as you well know, that if the church does not stand, the nation will not last. That is why we have been called. That is why we have been stirred. That's why the Spirit of the living God stirs you now, because the Holy Spirit is on the move. And it's the best news there is. I had someone come and talk to me. I love ministering to people and This person they were Catholic they came to me and they were talking to me and they said to me because I was working in the pro-life movement When SB1 was being debated and I was up there when they were yelling and screaming and spitting Y'all What is happening? Let me tell you something? so I got there on a Monday Because I didn't know that on Monday, everyone that's for abortion shows up. And on Tuesday, then everyone that is pro-life is supposed to show up. I didn't know there were, like, days assigned. So I showed up on the wrong day. Yeah. And we're all there on Monday. And the place is surrounded by people. I've never seen anything like that. I mean, the lines going around the Capitol both ways. And they're like three deep, at least, and I'm trying to be conservative. And I'm walking thinking, surely, we're in the state of Indiana, surely these people are for life. So I'm walking by and I'm waving, I'm like, hi. And they're kind of looking at me and I got my Bible because I take it everywhere I go. And all of a sudden I start to see their faces, I'm like, yeah, they are not feeling this at all. (laughs) (laughs) This is not, nope, this isn't us. I tried to stay in the line and stay quiet. (laughs) So this woman, she had this sign, and it said, I have five kids. Well, I have five kids. So I kept looking at the sign, like I could not stop looking at it. And she's just out there yelling, I have five kids. And I'm like, so I finally turned around and I looked at her and I said, okay you have five kids great that's awesome what's the problem she said I have five kids that's why God told me I can get an abortion and I am telling you it was like lightning shot through my feet and came through my head and I walked towards her and I said you cannot take The name of the Lord God in vain. You do not know him. That wasn't her. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against powers and principalities, church. You want to join the battle? You want to be a warrior? You got to worship. You got to worship. You got to have your eyes on Jesus. You got to be ready at every turn to do exactly what he tells you to do. You obey. Just obey. And you tell every Christian that you know, you know what mode we're in right now? We're not in survival mode. We're in obedience. Obedience. We just obey. And the Bible tells us that Christ is the victor. And so as Christians, what we're going to do is we're going to say to the state of Indiana, we are walking from victory to victory. That's what we're doing. People need vision. Without vision, the people perish. The vision is now changed. We're walking from victory to victory in Christ Jesus. Because if they can come and say we're going to go this direction, we can come and say no. We're going to go his direction. We're going to do what Jesus said. We live in the United States of America. It's like the only country where you can sit there and just say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And they can't do anything to us for that. Why? Because we have men and women that have laid their lives down for our freedom. So we're not afraid to say his name. And I'll tell you, no one's afraid to say his name even when they are giving their lives up. Because they're in other countries and they're still saying the name of Jesus. Why? Because his name is powerful. Have you ever noticed in the movies that they never say Allah when they take a bad word? Don't say that, Buddha, oh Buddha. Nope, not happening, why? They take our God's name in vain, why? Because there's power in his name, that's why. So here we have the description. The scriptures tell us who Melchizedek is, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness and then also king of Salem, meaning the king of peace. So Abraham's going to meet two kings right now. The king of Sodom, which is the city of perversity, and he's going to meet the king of peace. Abraham's given the option to side with the enemy a bit. It says in verse 21, now the king of Sodom, okay, I have to like fix the page in my Bible because my Bible is old and it's, my pages are falling out. This is just a sidebar and I need to get a new one, but I really like my Bible. (laughs) You know how you write in your Bible and you have all your notes and it's like, really means a lot. So I'm trying to hang on to it, but I'm losing pages now. So here we go. So it says in verse 21, Now the king of Sodom, I don't want to miss it, said to Abraham, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. So he's going to make a deal. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, And that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you say, I have made Abram rich. Except only what the young men have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me. Let them take their portion, he says. He comes up to him to do something that would be very normal. Here's your spoil. Let's work a deal. Abraham's like, no deal. No deal. Because I don't want anything to ever be able to be given credit to you. I want all the glory to go to the Lord. This guy, I mean, this is why he's in the hall of faith. Do you see, Christian, that he disciplined himself? Do you understand? I once heard whenever it comes to sin in our lives, that it's like you wake up every day and you've got two paths that you're going to take. And there will always be the path that's easy. That's the world. That's your flesh. That's the sin. That's it. It always looks good, just so you know. It's not like that changes. And then you look over here at the path, and it's more difficult. We call that the straight and narrow. And so what happens when you're growing in your walk with Jesus, which is the reason why we like discipleship, okay? This is why. Because you come alongside someone, and they get to glean from what you have gone through in your life as you encourage them in the scriptures, because their path has not been walked on very much. And so when they wake up, they're like, well, this path is super easy. And you have to come over. No, no. You got to keep on walking. It gets easier. Just keep on walking. Walk by faith. Just come on. And what happens is eventually you wake up in the morning and your face doesn't even look at that path. You're just like this. All day long. Sometimes that happens through sifting. Sometimes he burns it out of you. I've had all that. And I just say, you know what? (laughs) Let me tell you something. You have nothing to offer me. Nothing to offer me. Christ is all and in all. And he has done that in my life. And so when I wake up, I just turn and I walk. You have to do that and you have to disciple people to do that. So Abraham, he says no to compromise. And then look at what his reward is. Chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, notice that the Lord waits. He waits. He waits for Abraham to make that decision. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield your exceedingly great reward. You could hang out there all day long. What he would say to each of you today, saying your name, so that you can hear how much he loves you. Do not be afraid. I am your exceedingly great reward. Look how he describes himself. Exceedingly great reward. And so I wanna talk to you about Abraham And what we see that he gave of himself. He gave a tenth of everything he had. And God, he saw his heart and he rewarded him. Psalm 142 verse 5 says, I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. You see, David knew what Abraham knew. And that is that we are dead desperate for the Lord. Desperate. If you ever get to the point where you don't think that you're desperate for the Lord, go back. Remember? I was lost. And then he saved me. Desperate. Lord, I'm desperate for you. Psalm 84, David talks about that heart of being desperate. He says, how lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, They will still be praising you, Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. You say, well, I have weaknesses. Good. We all do. The word of God says in our weaknesses, his strength is made perfect. So we go from strength to strength. Very quickly in the New Testament, we see others that are desperate. You remember Jairus, whose daughter was healed. Mark chapter 5, verse 35, while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, what did he say? Did he say, go away? No. She's not alive anymore. I don't have time for that right now. I've got another thing that I'm paying attention to. I've got ministry on my mind. Mind you, she's not alive, and here's the Lord. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Jairus. It says that Jesus didn't permit anyone to follow him. Verse 39, when he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but asleep. Jairus knew where to go. His daughter was was fading quickly. He knew exactly where to go. He was desperate. He went to Jesus. You've got a problem in your life. You've got something going on. We know where to go. We go to Jesus. But can I tell you that things have changed now because the nation is under attack by the enemy, not flesh and blood, powers and principalities. And so what that means is that you have to come outside of your walls and your life whenever you're going to Jesus and you have to walk towards other territory and other people's lives and you have to take them to Jesus. Because the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy and guess who's winning? Because the church doesn't stand. The Bible tells us that he's given us power, love, and a sound mind. We'll get to heaven and he's going to tell us you've been operating on a double A battery. Your power's nuclear. There's nothing that can hold you back. You have the spirit of the living God inside of you. I am telling you right now, we all know we don't operate in that power and mindset. You know how you know? This is a great way to find out. Missions trip. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. When the church goes on a mission trip, the church says, we're ready to see a miracle. It's just true. You come back to the United States of America, the church says, I'm tired. It can't be like that anymore. The enemy figured it out. The enemy said, let's just keep them focused on everything offshore, and we're going to tear them down in the United States of America. And I tell you, I saw a vision of the United States of America, the flag, and it was like claws were just stripping it down. But then the Holy Spirit whispered into my heart, but the enemy has hit the foundation and the cornerstone is Christ. Christ is the cornerstone of the United States of America. He is the cornerstone. And so the Holy Spirit says to his church, rise up. And so we need those that will admit that they are desperate. We see another one with blind Barmaeus. Now they came to Jericho. As he was at Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude was there with him. And it says that blind Barimaeus called out, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Don't you love our Savior? Crowded place. And all of a sudden he hears. Son of David, have mercy. Doesn't keep walking. He just stands still. Says, bring him over. And so here he comes. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out saying, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. The many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more. There's your desperate right there. Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still, commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you. And the Bible says, throwing aside his garment, the blind in that time period, they would have had these long garments on and deep, deep pockets. They would have kept their livelihood in those pockets. Do you know what he did? He worshipped. He took it off and he said, I'm going to give you all that I am. The master that heals has called me. I'm going to give you all that I am. And he laid it aside. And he went to Jesus. People are telling him to be quiet. He just keeps getting louder. Is that you and your life? Do you keep getting louder? Who do they hear outside? Do they hear us or do they hear the enemy? them that he loves them. You have to say it louder. And so here he is, and he goes, and he meets with Jesus. And it says, Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabboni, teacher, Lord. Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Oh, that we would behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Oh, that we would know the power that he laid aside everything. That he laid aside his glory and he came down to earth and became a man. For us, So I've told you about the desperate cry. And I've told you about how God answers the desperate cry. But can I now tell you about a desperate cry where he said nothing? Hear this. That Jesus, when he was on the cross, Mark 15, 34, and at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Does that not sound desperate? And God was silent. Because for that moment, your sin and my sin was on him. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything, no gift, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom how deep the Father's love for us. And so this morning I pray that you the warriors will go to battle and worship. That everywhere in your life, the Lord God would lead you and you would say yes and obey. And as you obey, that you would look with hope and expectation for what God is gonna do through you, and that you would rejoice and you would praise him constantly, for our God is mighty, our Lord is worthy, and people need Jesus. Father God, thank you for this morning. Lord, I am desperate for you. I need you all the time, Lord. Lord, I think of all of the moments of my life where I was completely broken. And Lord, you came and you healed me. You have always been faithful. You have never left or forsaken me. You have cleansed me, filled me. I testify as the redeemed. So Lord, we just we just give you honor and praise this morning. For Holy Spirit, you have shown up as you always do. And you have taught us, Lord, that we are called to battle as warriors, Lord. But you've shown us and equipped us and told us that first it is in our worship, our giving of ourselves. And so, Lord, this morning I say to you that I worship you with my life. I worship you with my life, Lord. I don't have a great life, Lord. I don't have great things. But whatever I have, I worship you with that. Because you're worthy. Because I know without you, Lord, I have nothing. I know with you all things are possible. And so I worship you. And I pray for the brethren, in the state of Indiana especially, those that are here today, Lord, that they would worship you. Lord, that you would meet them like you did Abraham. That they would hear you say, do not be afraid, for I am your exceedingly great reward. And I pray that you would heal them and empower them, Lord. That God, when they wake up in the morning, that they sense the Holy Spirit's power and they walk from victory to victory, from strength to strength. And so we believe you, Lord. And we say to you that our God is mighty, that our God is powerful, wonderful counselor, prince of peace, mighty God. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to take the sins of the world. We worship you and we know, Lord, that you will come back. That on your thigh is written the words, faithful and true. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. There's no one higher than you. Your ways are higher, Lord. You give us peace that passes understanding. Your goodness, Lord, fills our lives. You never change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we stand in the love of Christ. And so, Lord, we bless you. We worship you. And we thank you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus'
0: name, amen. Let's stand together. Jamie is at a table outside, and we just invite you guys to get involved, understand what you can do, um, and she will be out at the table out there. We also have the tickets for the movie, but I want to encourage you. Uh, it's it's what well, they say, evil will prosper if good men do nothing. But we're in this season right now. Well, evil will prosper if good people don't do more. Got to do more. The Lord is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And if I could encourage you right now with one thing is that in times of battle, that's when the soldiers get upranked. How many want to get a higher rank in the spirit? This is the season. Where we go from privates to corporals to corporals to whatever, generals. I mean, this is the season. He is not just a punisher of the wicked. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Can I tell you that God pays well? True justice is punishment of the wicked and compensation for the righteous. When we stand up and we put our all in, he says, you put it all in. Watch what I do. That's who our God is. Don't you think God pays well? It's not just about being good, doing the right thing so we don't go to hell. I'm just telling you. When Bob goes, There's a tremendous reward that's coming, not only to him, but all future generations that follow Bob. It's going to be blessed. All of us here get that same reward when we follow him. And so we want to be involved. We want to help Jamie get situation in this, in our county, in our region, and in our state. She needs tons of help. I want to encourage you, listen to your pastor today. Get involved. Get behind what she's doing. Learn more out front, guys. We've had a, how many have had a great day in the Lord? Hasn't it been great? Thank you again, Jamie, for being with us. We honor you. We bless you.